Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Mauricio MBA shares his path working at JP Morgan in the strategy and CFO office and his ability to make the jump to the structured products desk, how he transitioned to Barclays, eventually making his way into an impact investing role, as well as some important advice for younger listeners just starting out their careers. Enjoy. All right, Mauricio, MBA, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Pleasure. Thanks, so, thanks for inviting me. It'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. So, um, so I started my career back in 2007 uh, after studying a master's degree in the United Kingdom. I started working for uh, JP Morgan. Uh, so my initial uh, role was within the uh, uh, security services businesses. business. Uh, I, um, I, I used to work in an area that used to report to the CEO of that business. Uh, we did a bit of a strategy um, uh, uh, finance, so we used to report for a while to the CFO of the business as well. From that, I moved to structured products within the, within the investment bank, still at JP Morgan uh, as well. So, so it used to be uh, a structured products relationship manager uh, covering uh, the, the southern uh, Europe uh, uh, sort of jurisdictions, if you like, so like Portugal, Spain. Um, and was uh, this in, was that in London? Was that in London? That, that was in London. Yes. Okay. Great. And, and then, yeah. and then so, um, so, so after that, I had, I had, I had always had an interest for, 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 for the capital markets and, and not so much from a sort of product distribution perspective uh, in the beginning, at least um, I wanted to move into, into especially the equity capital markets. And, 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 and uh, it was interesting at that time, basically when I was trying to make the transition, uh, Barclays just had acquired the institutional book of uh, clients from the Lehman Brothers. So, so Barclays, as you know, is, is, is a big, uh, fixed income uh, house, but previous previous to that acquisition, basically they used to do equities advisory, not so much the execution aspect of things. So, on the back of that acquisition, basically they started basically rolling out the the, the full the full um, uh, spectrum of services, basically from uh, advisory to acquisition. And I was part of the the teams that basically built the bank to to to, to start doing for the first time actually uh, in, in many occasions um, the, the first public offerings. Um, uh, rice issue and, and lots of different transactions, not only for the UK, but also for all the jurisdiction, jurisdictions within Europe, such as so like um, I, IPOs and secondaries and that type of stuff. IPO, secondary rice issues, block transactions, lots of different other things as well. A little bit more, 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 more complex as we started to kind of build on 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 the on the momentum that we had back then and and, and experience. And 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 <clears> through <throat> the last couple of years, we started doing emerging markets as well. So we did quite a lot of IPOs in. Uh, Poland, Georgia, 
South Africa, um, uh, Turkey, actually. So we worked on, on, on the Olympic Houses IPO mm-hmm. uh, and lots of different other transactions, basically, which, which were quite, quite interesting experiences to, to have in the mobile. Very cool. Um, so- but post, post that, um, and I guess that, that takes me where, where I'm currently, I guess, is that after a while and, and after managing a team within the equities business, I used to sit with a silica desk uh, within the equities business. I kind of started to challenge myself in terms of what I wanted to do next. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't, I didn't just throw away my, my finance experience, but at the same time, uh, wanted to make sure that what I was doing had, had some meaning for me personally, very, very openly. So I started to kind of explore um, uh, alternatives in terms of where, where that could, could be. And and um, came came across uh, impact investment, uh, and, and after speaking to someone um, in the UK, and then happens to have a um, investment boutique that focuses on on the very kind of impact first aspect of the spectrum, um, and again by coincidence and chance and and, and luck, um, Barclays was going through a transition where after the financial crisis and all this stuff that we got involved and, 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 and you know, we got really bad day um, hit for, um, we, uh, the, the fund created in Australia, they were trying to kind of focus new initiatives to make sure that they had an element of uh, like societal impact, so to speak. So they used mm-hmm. to talk about that uh, in, 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 in the terms of chair growth, kind of um, sort of leveraging the term of, of David Porter's chair value. Which yep. is basically where can we find commercial opportunities where we can bring our core expertise and also generate some sort of value. And then on the back of that strategy, they created a venture capital fund, like an internal capital venture capital fund, effectively to fund initiatives, strategic initiatives within the bank to kind of de-risk those initiatives from uh, the, the business lines, basically acquired. And then so within them. within Barclays, there was a fund within. specifically focused on sustainable mm-hmm. impact investing, and you worked. That's 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 right. You worked leading okay. that division. Say again, sorry. You were leading that division. You were leading that group. No, no. So, so the fund, the fund was created. It was, it was part of group and reported into into the the, the, the office of the C, CEO, mm-hmm. and um, it used to be called Social Innovation Facility. This fund, mm-hmm. and 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 basically, I I um, applied for some funding. There was someone else as well within the wealth management and, and private banking division applying for some funding for some initiatives that had. Low, sorry, sorry. What was that? I lost you there a little bit. Sorry, so, so, so sorry. Slow down. Was, Just slow down, because I can't. Yeah. I can't understand. Yeah, very good. You speak fast, yeah. and there's yeah, no, and no. you have a slight accent. I don't know if it's. Uh, <laughs> I think you have a, a slight British <laughs> British Spanish accent, which is rare. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's, it's Colombian. <laughs> ah, mi but, madre um, de Cali, Colombia. Ah, uh, sí. Yeah. <laughs> muy bien. Muy bien. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Okay, so social innovation facility was the was this internal VC fund within the group mm-hmm. to finance initiatives that had this this angle to it. So the way you would go about uh, getting funding was that they used to do like annual um, uh, calls for bids, and uh, like you you basically come up with a proposal and you would get different rounds of funding, like from discovery funding it starts at fifty k to like half a million, and then. Um, Depending on on on, on okay. your idea, it could be well, uh, two to five million. Let's go back to the beginning. I want to hear more about so, your story. I want to hear more about like how you even broke into J.P. Morgan to start. So you you started at the Strategy Transformational Chain kind of CFO office. Is that correct? Right. And right. that was in London. 
that that was initially in Dorset. Um, Where? It's an office uh, in Dorset in the United Kingdom. It's, okay. it's, it's basically a location just uh, a couple of hours away from, from London. Uh, I think but part of the reasons why I ended up landing within that job was that prior to my experience in the financial services industry, um, I studied engineering and, and a little a bit of work in, in project management. So having that experience before was very handy because a lot of what we used to do within strategic planning was effectively managing portfolios and different initiatives that require you to have that sort of end-to-end project management experience, which regardless of where you are in banking, I think is useful, but having it for that specific role, it was, it was very valuable. Yeah, you were, there, uh, you, were there for th- you were there for three years, correct? That's right. And so in those three years, can you just give me an example of something you did in a specific day or week so that other, the listeners can kind of know what a transformational change in CFO office, what, what somebody coming out of school, what, what do they typically do? Or, or if you know how it's changed nowadays? Do you know? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, so in essence, they look after the the, the, the broad portfolio of, of of initiatives that are getting funded through through the business. They use they used to have different sort of um, uh, strategic obje- objectives for the business, if you like. So, many of them would be revolving around cost reduction. Some of them would be revolving about automation and efficiency. They used to basically these these world security services business used to used to service um, uh, large pension funds and large institutional investors and they used to service the securities that basically they have in, within a custodian. So uh, some elements will be around you know the integration systems, integration processes and whatnot. Some other elements of the business will be focused on, for instance, making sure that you reduce the cost to the client by making sure that they can use the securities they're holding and lending those securities for other businesses. So there used to be like a really dynamic business called uh, security, securities lending effectively, uh, that basically they use for, for, the, for the prime brokerage business. And so, are, do, um, should I think of this group, the Strategy Transformational Change or CFO Office, is it pretty, is it like CFO Office for just the UK or is this global? And like that, that how did- global. Yeah, that was global. global. And yeah. so when you're supporting this office, how should I think of the structure? Is it like the CFO is at the top and then how does it work? Are there like a few people underneath him working on different projects or how do they, how did they structure it? Yeah. So they used to have, um, you, you, you have, um, so, so the, the world this office basically kind of looking after the, the European business, but the CFO has an entire office, which mm-hmm. has some sort of regional offices as well in London and some in New York. Uh, they will have basically different directors and, and all of them will basically report into CEO. Um, basically, it works in a kind of hierarchical way, if you like, where you have CFO for each individual region and you have direct reports in, into him basically looking after different portfolio uh, initiatives or, or reporting uh, um, um, uh, uh, responsibilities, if you like, to, to the CFO. From a, from a finance perspective, I think you have, from an analyst perspective, I guess you have a, quite a lot of exposure, actually, how you, how you go about um, accounting and, and, and finance management at a, at a large corporation. That obviously involves a lot of uh, number crunching, lots of reporting, um, uh, data analysis. Uh, I mean, the more you know about how to, even like, it, it may sound silly, but actually having like a really good grasp of using BBA and Excel is, is massively useful, you know, presentation. Did you, but, when you were, when you were working there, um, did you go VBA guru? Uh, <laughs> I, you got better. A, a, a little bit, but I, I definitely got much better working at a specific role. I, I think having started engineering was useful for me because we had to do modeling and stuff. So I had a 
So I had some good knowledge about that, but but I got challenged basically when I started that job, and, sure. and I ended up improving as a result of it. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, uh, you were there. So why? How did you make that internal switch to equity finance or structured products? Like, how was it something where you went to your boss and you had been there long enough and built that relationship and were able to make the transition, or were you were you networking internally to talking to the other kind of MDs um, in, in equity finance? Yeah. So, so it's, it was actually the, the, the latter. So um, I did have the support from 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 my MD. Uh, I mentioned to him that I want to kind of transition to a more commercial role. So I had his support to start doing the transition, making time for interviews, traveling, whatever, and whatever else. But um, but uh, that was right at the at the. I mean, not right at the beginning, but actually the the, the financial crisis was kind of still around. So it actually took me quite a lot of interviewing to, to, to make that transition, especially because I wasn't coming from a role doing the same role. I mean, making lateral transitions within the market is usually much straightforward than actually coming from Australia and coming into, into, into um, structured products. But right, uh, so you're saying it, coming internally from a totally different group was much harder than say somebody laterally from another bulge bracket bank that had already been doing structured products. Yeah, and, and, and coming from different function as well, if, function. If, 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 if you like. So, uh, I mean, JP Morgan as a bank has, has a really good process in terms of promoting uh, internal mobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, it, but even so, it's, it's, some, sometimes it's, it's difficult. I mean, it could be that you have within a specific division, they have a, an open role and, 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 and they're almost sort of in the beginning holding that role for people within the same division. So you, you need to kind of learn how to navigate those different sort of nuances. Um, and there weren't a lot of open roles back then because it was 2010, 11. So it was no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, it was difficult. I think if I recall correctly, it could have taken easily like 25 interviews to actually land this, 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 this job. Uh, but what, do you think, what do you think made the fine? What do you think made the difference on when you finally did get it in that last one, well, the job that you actually got? Yeah. I think with all things, uh, you know, um, when you start interviewing for, for jobs, uh, part of your training is actually going into having like a really crafted CV that can actually land you the interviews, but then going into the interviews and, and you know, with every interview, you improve yourself and you actually start realizing the, the elements where you have gaps and, 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 and weaknesses that you're not covering very well. In some cases, it could be that you have that within your experience, whether it is at a previous uh, job or the university, whatever, but the realization that you failing to actually explain something well makes you helps you actually taking a step back and thinking about that and then doing it better in the next in the next interview so i think at the end of that process i was interviewing really well and and actually uh, interestingly by the time i got this job i I also have another two offers as well for the jobs um isn't that interesting how how after 20 interviews you're a lot better at interviewing it's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, I know. I know. It is. It is something yeah, that that you craft and you polish and, and you. I guess you, you get good at. Um. So so yeah. So that was. But but it, it, but but to your question back again. Uh, it took it took a lot of uh, interviewing and at the same time a lot of networking. So um, the, the the opportunity to interview for that specific role came through a recommendation from someone and then I had a chat with those guys. Uh, six months before, actually, for the job, uh, um, at that time it happened. But then, and, and that's another thing, actually, that is that the things worth uh, sort of mentioning to, to people going through this process at the moment. And is that the fact that you go through an interview and it's not successful doesn't mean that it cannot be for for a for a future opportunity. 
and like this specific role and the one that I had later on at Barclays, both of them came through through teams that I had actually interviewed before and and despite it didn't happen in the, be- in the beginning, it happened like six, six months or 12 months later. So, so always make sure that, you know, you, you keep those, those channels open and you leave a good impression, I guess, after those processes because you never know when, when they, they, they could be around back again. So even after, um, you had been reject- even, even after you had been rejected for certain seats, you were still good about reaching up, say, six months later, three months later? Saying, hey, just letting you yeah. know things are going? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a combination of two things. What, one is that um, I guess having left a good impression through, through, through the interviewing process and whatnot, so they see the value in you and for whatever reason they may end up having or find, uh, finding someone that it was uh, uh, you know, better prepared, had experience or whatever. But obviously they had, I left a good impression so they actually thought of me for when they had a different opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that I have always tried can realize that if, if you work in finance, you, you, you need to, even if it doesn't come naturally in, in, in you, you need to make an effort to always reaching out to people, developing your network and, and, and trying to network as much as you can because relational capital in this industry is, is very valuable. So I, I always kind of made that effort of like touching base you know, every six months or whatever else, um, being active on LinkedIn, connecting to all those people. So even though you're not connecting with them or talking to them directly, through your engagements or comments or activity in social media, for instance, they could at least see that you're quite interested in the industry, that you have something to contribute, that you have ideas and whatnot. And then just by being present, basically, people think of you when an opportunity, an opportunity comes around. Yeah, you kind of hang around the hoop, I say. You hang around the hoop long <laughs> enough, and eventually <laughs> there's, a, there's yeah. a job to be had, and they think of you right away because they had just recently talked to you or whatnot. But, so tell me, in the, yeah. the first job out of school, so it sounded like VBA and Excel, really important tell me about the tools um for this equity finance or the structured products products bang like what in terms of listeners what what helped you there <laughs> more excel more vba more modeling or was there a different, different yeah model? that's right that's right excel vba modeling and and, and, and that's that about it obviously uh if you look into enter that industry uh studying structured products and, and derivatives is something very valuable because uh, the responsibility you'll have, you'll have right away is, 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 it requires you to, to have that knowledge. Um, How should people less- think of structured products? When you say structured products, can you give examples of, of what that is and like what you were doing on the um, structured products desk? For the bank? The equity, op- equity option swaps, uh, interest rate swaps. Um, Are you cr- were, you creating, were you creating these instruments um, like actually from scratch and, and helping sell them? Or were, what were you... Um, were you um, were you like advising companies on how to do it? What was the so so the the way that the business is structured is that they have different trading desks and different sales desks. Uh, they all kind of focus on different types of products. So you have like uh, Delta One and and like type of more vanilla flow type of products where they basically focus on the standard derivatives that they sell by bulk. There are some other more exotic types of products that are basically served through more specialized desks that uh, almost tailor-made different products for the different needs of different, different investors. Um, uh, the, depending on, on, on the area where you see it in the business that you support, the level of knowledge you will need around the products themselves obviously will be, will be, will, will, will be different effectively. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but in essence, this role uh, wasn't, much to do with the with the with the design of the products themselves, as the role of the trade the traders themselves, especially if you're working in the products. 
but actually this was relate this was this specific business was aligned to to sales so once the product has been agreed with the counterpart and then uh, is, is is going to, to to become a contractual agreement then there's a lot of negotiation between uh, commercial terms dates different sort of schedules in terms of where they pay out for different events of the of the structure pro i think whenever the different uh, events of the structure pro happened uh, and 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 actually in the in, in the sort of process as well of making sure that um, contractually you are actually uh, in line with the expectations of the economics of the product, you need to be leading the agent with, with clients all the time. So uh, yeah. this is almost what happens once you have agreed on a specific need and a specific uh, pricing of a product, and then everything that happens after basically will be looking after. You know what I'm going to say? Got it. Okay. So... Um... You were only there for about, so you worked really long and hard to get into that structured products desk at, at JP Morgan. And then you were there for only about a year before jumping to a new bulge bracket. <laughs> also <coughs> also right. in London. So um, tell me what was the thought process on that? Were you recruited? Did they reach out to you? Were you starting to look kind of outside because you'd been there for at, at JP for a while? Tell me the thought process of just career wise, um, sure. why you thought it was a good time. Sure. Um, so, um, so I think the, the, the general idea of making that initial transition was actually to work on a, on a more commercial role, I guess, than what I was doing back in strategy. Uh, once I moved into the business, I, which I quite enjoyed, I can realize as well the competition in, in order to be able to move up the ladder was going to be um, very fierce. And at the same time, whilst I was still back in structured products in JP Morgan, at some point I was, I was um, approached uh, by a headhunter to speak to some of the people at uh, Barclays Capital. I went and interviewed for, for that specific role, um, went through like two or three rounds of, of interviews, I can't quite remember at the moment. Um, they ended up finding someone else that had some experience from a, from a, from a, from a, from a different bank. And then a year later, they approached me back again. They said they have a new role back again. Would you would you be interested to talk to them back again? Uh, because I have previously left a good impression, I guess. Um, <laughs> it was kind of more straightforward, I guess. It was almost like a, I know that this is where we are. This is what happened last time. And the person that we have recruited back then has moved to Australia. Um, here's the opportunity. What do you think? And and kind of after, can, can happen really really easily actually somehow. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that was. Was it a similar role um, in equity capital markets at Barclays, or was it? Were you doing similar things? Um, um, no, it was a, it was a it was a much more broad role in terms of responsibility and scope. Uh, it was kind of the responsibility was, and this is what kind of appealed to me as well. I think I consider myself to be, uh, I guess, quite entrepreneurial in 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 approach and and spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 this is one of the things that I loved uh, about Barclays, which is it's a bank that is really open to new initiatives, to giving you responsibility to, to run with things and actually being able to execute and 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 show what you're capable of. Whereas in other bulge bracket banks that are so large, uh, uh, such as is the case with with JP Morgan, I guess everything is so well established and set up that oftentimes uh, you you end up to just focus on one specific activity, and at least for me, person, but for me personally, uh, it, 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 it wasn't the right match. Um, 
And Barclays' responsibility was back. Basically, we're starting up this, this new business. We have basically the responsibility to, to work out how we go about doing execution and, and, and ensuring that the business continues to grow by X multiples on a year, on a year to year basis. And you're going to be playing a key role within, within, within that setting. That's awesome. Um, so, so you were there for a good three years doing that. And then um, you eventually started moving over to something called impact, I guess, impact private assets, or is this, is this when you started kind of going to the sustainable and impact investing space? Yeah. So I did that for three years and a half and, and was ma- managing the team uh, by the time I leave. Mm-hmm. And, and then I mentioned that um, th- this thing happened within the bank. They created this uh, social innovation facility, uh, which is like a general DC fund. They were funding initiatives uh, for people that were basically putting them forward. And, and, and the, the more aligned they were to the strategic priorities of the business, the more senior management support they had. And, 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 and if they had a team or whatever else, they would have different levels of support. I can, you give me some, can you give me some examples of, of investments that they made or just I, of types of investments they would look at? Like when you say sustainable impact investing, is this like solar? Is this wind? Is this like microfinance? In no, so, so bear in mind, this whole, they, they, they were only financing internal initiatives in order internal. to enable all the businesses to actually focus on those type of plays. So uh, things that they have, finan- uh, that they have funded, uh, for instance, was what I ended up doing thereafter, which is basically um, I, I put a proposal forward for us to, to, to see if we could leverage something that we had done previously in the investment bank to do uh, retail distribution of, of um, initial public offerings. Uh, basically, the story goes like this. So uh, back in the financial crisis, there were a few companies that were bailed out by the, by the UK government. Mm-hmm. But after some years, the government needed to kind of sell back to, to the markets in order to be able to rec- you know, um, uh, get the capital back, if you like. Yep. But because there were bailed out by the government, the government needed to make sure that the public was also able to subscribe for shares in, in this public offering. So that we had the Royal Mail Group and I did the Red Line Group, for instance, where we're two of the few that basically we, we, we were part of. Um, if I recall correctly, by the time we were given a role within the transaction, uh, we only had a role basically to do retail distribution, which none of the UK banks have done before. So we ended up doing a joint venture with a, with um, almost like a broker basically in the UK. Um, the help was coordinating and onboarding within the investment bank platform at least like 80 basically um, brokers basically used the distribution to, to retail investors. Hmm. And then through them, we didn't have any restrictions, the restrictions that investment banks usually have around IPO distribution. So that, that went well. And after that, we ended up taking those type of roles in different transactions going forward. And because of that innovation, basically, I wanted to see if we were able to use the same distribution channel to uh, facilitate subscription and distribution of sustainable investment products, which until now, a lot of discussion in the market was around uh, there is interest in the retail market, but uh, banks are not really well placed to do that. So I, that was my idea. Uh, I put forward the idea for funding, end up kind of competing against another idea within the world management division, which we was kind of focused on the same thing, but, but at the same time, it makes sense because wealth managers actually um, cut and serve retail clients from mm-hmm. you know retail like properly retail to affluent high net worth and high net worth. So if I'm if I'm asking if this is correct if I summarize so you're basically you were saying through the same distribution channel that you guys had used before you're saying why don't we offer products around sustainable impact investing through that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and use, the, use, use a specific distribution channel that we have enabled through the investment right. bank. 
And so you were doing that for a while, it sounds like, or it went well. Yeah. So, so, so what happened was that rather than getting funding for that specific idea, the, the, the proposal that was, that, that, that was made by, by, by this internal funding fund within Barclays was, why don't you join forces with the other guy that's doing this at Barclays Wealth and, and then launch this, this, this business. So that, that's what I, the short of it, basically what I ended up doing. Uh, I, I, I end so up joined forces uh, with the wealth management guy or gal. Yeah. So about a specific, at that specific um, uh, time, we didn't have the funding itself. There was a guy within within the wealth management division that had gotten half a million, uh, almost half a million, um, actually a little bit more than half a million dollars. Actually, it was over like eight hundred thousand dollars, basically, to run with the with the profitability uh, stage of that specific idea. What we end up doing was um, uh, I was working for a while with the with the global head of of, of, of uh, behavior and quant research. And we ended up doing basically uh, a research in which we got 2,000 high net worth individuals, from, from retail to high net worth individuals actually, to, 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 um, to studying how they were thinking of doing sustainable investment, what a sustainable investment would need to look like, the characteristics, the features, the, the risk, return profiles, the, the, the type of service that they want to see from a, from a wealth manager, whatever else in order for us to be able to take those views and then being able to design a proposition that will have market fit. So okay. in, in doing that, we ended up doing that, published a paper on that, and then the back of it uh, did a business case that allows to basically launch properly the, 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 the business within the wealth management division as a, as a properly established division as opposed to like a project, mm-hmm. and then uh, end up getting financing from the social innovation facility as well as the as well as the as the, as well as the um the, so you got the it, investment products division within the wealth management. So you got it off the ground basically. It's a long road to yeah, get off. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. After cool. a year we got, we got off the ground and then we did many, many different things within that. That was that was a tremendous experience. We launched the first uh, fund of funds, like mutual funds that focus on sustainable investment strategies. Uh, that existed for retail distribution. Distribution. Um, we launched a discretionary uh, sustainable investment strategy for uh, high net worth uh, families and university, university endowments in the private bank. Very cool. Uh, platform mutual funds from like ETF mutual funds, um, English products, and lots of different things. So it was, it was almost like um, uh, launching a startup with that within within the comfort of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's funny because I've spoken with some guests. They've, they've been worked at venture funds at these large firms and it's nice because you have that, that safety and the, and the resources to pull on if you have, if you find something interesting. So it sounds like you had some, a lot of success there. You were kind of co-head of that impact investing, um, you know, a division or whatnot, or you helped launch that did the research and all that. And you were doing that for almost five years. Tell me what, um, what kind of prompted you um, last year to kind of start start again, or, or or were you kind of already doing stuff on the side? Or um, I think w- w- one of one of the things that that I, I was kind of doing as an additional responsibility uh, that I just kind of give myself as well through through the development of this business was uh, originating deal flow, uh, private asset deal flow uh, for distribution in the private bank. So anything to do with sustainable investment basically will have to go through our desk. We will um, uh, do an element of selection in it. We end up actually developing a, a robust 
sort of framework for us to be able to to select investment with the best and sustainable investment criteria. But these were direct. These were direct investments into individual companies, or they were funds that you were in. Uh, direct, direct and funds. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the way the way it works, the way distribution works within the private bank, uh, this is that while well, this within Barclays, and I think it's the similar case for the for the institutions is that you have. Um, uh, a one uh, simpler distribution channel, which is basically like a placement agent model, where basically uh, either director funded, you look at deal flow um, that have the characteristics that you want to see in a you know like a mainstream placement agent type of house, like a good team, a good brand. Um, sizes will be uh, ranging from anything from five million to thirty million if it was direct. If it was funded, it would be potentially being funds between 30 million to 100 million. Mm-hmm. But if it was to be a fund, you would normally look at funds that have a um, uh, more differenti- differentiating strategy, basically. So something that would make them unique and specifically play that, and a specific investor basically will invest in it because it happens to have an interest in, and it could be like uh, artificial intelligence, it would be agri-tech, or it would be microfinance. So something that has been more, more, more niche and, 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 and kind of helps as a sort of satellite play, if you like. So, so, um, the, so this specific initiative, you were um, looking at both funds and direct investments, and this was capital being deployed by Barclays, like the actual capital by the yeah. bank, or this was, this was, sorry, yeah, go ahead, so explain it to me. Sure, I, no, yeah, no, absolutely. So, so everything that the bank does within the world management and private banking division is, is client money. So since yep. so so the financial crisis with Walker's rule, like yeah, with Walker's rules and whatever else, uh, banks are quite restricted to to, to, to But you to, you were packaging you were from doing direct investments. But you were packaging um, this stuff up for potential selection selection distribution. And in some cases you do packaging, so that's the case of the fund of funds. But in, in the majority of the cases, what you're really doing is just originating and applying like institutional due diligence and basically doing distribution. So placing that okay. uh, those type of deals with clients effectively. So that is specific that is specific distribution channel uh, wasn't even so much of um, like the, the, basically you don't do any advisory basically you almost really just place the deals through the networks that, that, that you have within the bank so um, you almost kind of end up know which type of uh, private bankers basically will have specific clients that will have an interest you, you basically disseminate information and then the bankers will be doing the introductions um, that has evolved a little bit now they have um, digital platforms through, the, through which they can actually do a more, more efficient distribution um, process because being that activity as restricted as it is in the UK, uh, uh, it, is, it is difficult for, 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 for instance, for a private banker to actually coordinate and arrange things be, be, beyond uh, sharing commercial documentation. So yep. uh, these channels allows you to do that. There's not, there's not a distribution channel where, where, whereby you actually um, have uh, your sales force actually doing a, an advisory activity and actually you know, uh, you know, prospecting, um, you know, uh, thousands of, of, of clients, you know, to be able to actually close in with some specific investments. So within that one, the, the numbers tend to be much larger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could find direct, but, but, but less so. I think the majority of the transactions that we use to support through that distribution channel were, were funds, usually funds beyond the 300 million mark to a couple of million. And, the, the way uh, the business will normally go about that deal flow is that they like to see that a fund or project had at least a secure affairs round uh, or close, that they had some institutional names, you know, uh, 
as investors and LPs. And, and with all that, basically, you're kind of ensuring that you have other people that has done institutional dealings on it. We will anyway uh, uh, get due dealings done by a third party as well to, to kind of ensure that you also almost have like an additional an additional process in it, securing um, uh, ensuring that you have quality quali- a quality uh, transaction quality. And then obviously the, the, the private assets team will basically conduct a extra dealings on it. It will go to investment committees, and it, then it supports the end of basically being a a uh, uh, project that can take up to six months. Uh, cool. You'll be normally looking at, you know, supporting rounds of uh, anything from fifty to seventy-five million dollars, basically, in, in one single, one single go. That's great. So, tell me a little bit about kind of what's next for you, and what's the what's the next uh, jump? Recently, you kind of um, started. At, is it Samija? Yeah. So, um, so in essence, uh, I had a. A personal um, kind of plan uh, for a long time, which was basically returning uh, to, to 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 the country where I come from, which is Colombia. And and since we had two children, um, that kind of put puts in context sometimes your priorities. Uh, I mean, every everyone has different sort of priorities and whatever else. But for me, it was really important to for them to grow close to family. So uh, left Barclays in 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 June last year. Formally, actually, kind of informally left back in in February, mm-hmm. um, but I also wanted to kind of somehow make sure that what I was going to do next um, was 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 really really aligned to to, to making making sure that has that impact element of of, of things. So um, I was going to get some time off actually after after I, after I left and and second second coffee on 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 the on the first week I left. <coughs> and end up talking to someone that happens to be um, the right hand of of someone that is actually quite recognised in the in the venture capital industry in the UK and, and the impact investment industry for the matter, which is which is um, Sir Ronnie Cohen. So uh, Ronald Cohen is is, is uh, I believe is still chair and, and and a partner of of Apex Partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like 15, 20 years ago, he decided to that, that he wanted to to do the same thing that he did for the venture capital industry in the UK for the sustainable impact investment industry. Um, so he's, he he chairs different organisations within the UK. One of them is a, a private equity fund called uh, Bridges Fund Management. Another one called Social Finance, which is an advisory firm. He held funding Big Sight Capital, which is like a wholesale bank in the UK for this type of investments. And 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 uh, back in 2010, David Cameron, uh, the former uh, Prime Minister of the UK, tasked him to to share an initiative that used to be called the GA Task for for Impact Investment, mm-hmm. which basically was intention was getting the the, the GA countries basically to commit pushing this agenda through public policy, public and private partnerships and investments. That that GA organization. Uh, evolved to become these days what is called the, the, the Global Steering Group for Impact Investment, the GSG, mm-hmm. and and they've been they've been helping launching basically um, accounts based finance funds uh, for some years now. They wanted to do something around migration, and 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 basically the, the short story of it is that basically end up setting up my my firm very 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 soon, and 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 the, the fund that we're looking to launch around uh, migration in Latin America actually. Is is almost like a it's, like, it's almost like the first Monday, but but I'm quite involved in it. So uh, we'll see what the future holds in terms of that. A lot of it is spending fundraising effectively for us to be able to actually structure legally and start proper fundraising activity back in in, in 2022. 
Um, but it is really exciting. It's really, it, the, the job will be done here in Colombia, which kind of brought me to the country back again, which was the ultimate goal as well. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it's, 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 are, I you, have in, are you in Colombia right now? I am, yes. Yeah, where? Bogota? Uh, in, in, in Medellin, actually. Medellin. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's awesome, man. Congrats on kind of, well, seeing your priorities and with the two young kids, I know how it is. And uh, Thank you. <laughs> it's great. It's great that you're um, kind of following that impact, investing the stuff that you're more passionate about and kind of staying along with that. Um, yeah, thank you. But well, I hope the experience helps, I guess, too. So I, 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 you know, one of the interesting things that, that I learned while doing this advice was that there's huge interest in the industry, uh, especially like within the younger generation to ensure that they not only equip themselves with the, with the you know, hard skills that they, that they acquire through doing jobs in banking and, and finance, but also making sure that they can actually take that somewhere else that is relevant for them. And uh, I can tell you that we used to have at least 30 people a week approaching us through LinkedIn to everywhere, asking us, would you have a role there? Can I do an internship there? Whatever else. And, 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 and I guess a piece of advice for that is that if you, if, if you can't acquire that, those skill set that become valuable from a finance perspective, it's great, but also make sure that you continue to build on as well and all the, all the aspects of, of that nascent industry so you can make the transition at some point. But there's plenty, of thing, uh, uh, there's plenty going on at the moment around that, that field. I mean, you see um, BlackRock recent letter to, 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 to the CEOs of the companies. Like every year they're coming up with this thing where they're basically saying as the larger asset manager, they want to see companies are able to evidence the impact of society, fund managers from private to public markets are launching new strides around this. Family offices and endowments are fully focused on this thing. Governments started to rethink as well how they do uh, public and private partnerships and actually focus on outcomes as opposed to just public service delivery. So there's, there's plenty going on that I think will allow a lot of people that have this interest to make that transition at some point. But, also, uh, but, but I guess my piece of advice is make sure that you, you plan ahead and you equip yourself with the skill set so that transition is, is easier than it was probably for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so just early on, yeah, well, as an engineer, it's tough, right? You, you had to learn on the job more. Um, but that's cool, man. So you're saying get the technical skills, but there will be the opportunity since impact investing and sustainable investing is growing so rapidly and even large institutions are now becoming more focused on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And make sure you, you reach out to people that, you know, like oftentimes just offering your, your skill set to, to less well-defined projects. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that is undervalued because oftentimes you buy getting involved, getting engaged, getting involved within a specific uh, audience or community allows you to you know, tap into the network, start acquiring different skills that you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally be, be acquiring through your day-to-day job in, in investment banking or whatever else. And then at some point, all the different steps kind of start adding up and, and you know, get to the profile you need to be able to, to make it to the door to, to, to a different thing if, if that's what you're looking to do. Makes sense. So like join associations that are in the areas that you want to be and likewise so that you're yeah, not just so developing well, the network, you're developing the skills too. Even if you have yeah. to work for free, even if you have to work for free a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, 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 you know, um, uh, yeah. So sometimes people tend to overlook those opportunities because they think if they can't afford to pay you a salary or because a specific project may be at a stage where it doesn't provide you 
you know, a, a move right away, then, then, then you tend to think is, well, it's, 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 it may not be a, a, a good opportunity, but you will be surprised how many people are actually working on, on tremendous initiatives that happen to be connected to ludicrous networks um, that at some point actually make that tipping point and then launch. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, if you look at qualifications as well that you just mentioned, like the CFA just recently launched a pilot for ESG qualification as well that people can take and, and start kind of focusing on ESG equities research as well for a lot of people that's looking to make the transition. Uh, the Kaya, which is the one that I made, has also some modules around um, uh, long-term, uh, long, long-term portfolio investment, some elements around in, integrating climate change within uh, investment strategies, um, ESG. Yeah, ESG is really so. big. ESG is really yeah. big right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Very cool. Well, anything else you want to share with the listeners or, or any advice you'd give to your younger self um, now kind of being <clears throat> all, everything that you went through that you would, you would tell the younger listeners? Um, probably the only one piece of advice I would give my younger self, I guess, is, is, Taking the time to actually to actually understand what are your life's priorities, your life's interests, uh, even your life's values, because because there will be lots of situations through your career where you get tested on those assumptions and that knowledge, if you like. I think if you actually take that time to actually understand that, and you start up your career with a really clear clear clarity of what is it that you want to do and the sort of things that you don't want to compromise in order to be able to become successful. I think it becomes a much easier endeavor to actually make career progression decisions, uh, um, uh, commitments and, 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 and transitions as well, if you were, uh, as we start moving up. Um, I love that. You have, a North, you have a North Star that you go toward and you, and you understand your values and your your core beliefs and it's yeah yeah i think yeah no exactly because i think I mean, from, from my personal experience I've, I've worked with a lot of people that you know came from families where they had lawyers and and, and bankers within the family and they just they just know that they want to be a banker and then be in x uh, number of years and and that's good and well if that's based on their own understanding that's that's, that's what they want to do but equally I, I i met so many people that at some point in their careers having made it to associate bp we're a bit lost in terms of what they want to do next. And so oftentimes sacrificing like family, personal relations to something that wasn't 100% what they want, the, the, or to something that they weren't 100% sure is what they wanted to be doing in the next decade. I think when you, you get to those type of situations, then it is really, really difficult. So it becomes, it becomes a challenge for, for you, not only sort of professional, but at the same time personally. So I think the, the more clear you are around what you want to do, that you made more conscious decisions around around that. If you want to be a banker, then do a banker, put your time, you know, put the work, find a partner also that can support you in that aspiration, and then and then all the best to you. Uh, uh, but if you happen to have all the priorities in life aside as well of being a prof- uh, you know a finance professional, then start with that clarity, and based on that, you will have different options with the financial services industry that actually could have a really good fit and. Banking is great and allows you to have a skill set that is incredibly valuable in the industry, but equally there's various other avenues that oftentimes people don't know of that, that, that can, can be very attractive actually career transition as well. Like private banking and wealth management is incredibly interesting as well because the honey with individuals, their families, the endowments, the, the, the type of clients that you're actually servicing that oftentimes actually become prospective clients to 
your ex-colleagues in the investment bank. So that's, mm-hmm. that's something that's interesting. If you happen to, to be good at, uh, you know, uh, investment uh, analysis or running portfolios and happy to kind of, or potentially be thinking of working in asset management or fund management industry, there's, there's, there's different cultures, different sort of aspects to those type of career uh, uh, paths that may be more aligned to, to, to your priorities and your personality and whatever else. So, so I, th- I think take your time to kind of explore what is in finance and all the different avenues that there are. Network actively and meet people across different, different um, functions. Different, yeah, yeah. Because oftentimes you find lots of people working within investment banking that only network with people within investment banking and they just keep talking about the same thing <laughs> day in day out. Whereas in networking with people across the spectrum in, in financial services, you get to understand how finance actually works in a much broader sense. Yeah. At the same time, find opportunities for potential transitions, if you like. We actually end up finding out that there's other areas within finance that happen to be quite attractive because you happen to have an interest and then you have a skill set and, 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 and could, could actually be a, a, a good transition for you as well. So, so I, think, I think taking the time to actually have that understanding before you start making those initial decisions as to where you want to focus at a stage where you're just starting is incredibly valuable because it will save you years of time before you start thinking of those later on where oftentimes making those transitions is actually much harder. Yeah. And I, I harp on that all the time. I always say to the, to the listeners and to the community that, you know, investment banking or private equity is not the only path to success. There's many other paths of ways to be not just happy or not just wealthy, but happy. You can be wealthy yeah. and happy. There's, and you can have a life and there's, there's other ways. And hopefully some of the, some of the people we're profiling on this podcast and in the community kind of opens everybody's eyes a little bit to how, how different everyone's backgrounds are and how many different roles there are within even, even a large bull bracket bank there. So there's, there's a lot of different ways to, to, to be successful. So Mauricio, thanks so much for uh, taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.